Welcome back to Content That Grows. Today I'm excited to be joined by Jacob Rudnick. Jacob recently took over as Director of Content Marketing at Active Campaign, and previous to that, he led content marketing at Scribe, G2, and other companies. Uh, he's also a content and growth consultant and teaches digital journalism at DePaul University in Chicago. So as you can see from that, I'm super excited, a lot of relevant stuff to dig in today. And uh, the main thing we're gonna be talking about uh, with Jacob today is scaling content at a startup. So um, Jacob, so, so, uh, so excited to have you with us today. Yeah, Nate, thanks for asking me to be on here. Good to, good to chat with you. Yeah, so um, you know, to get started, I think <clears throat> would love to maybe just, you know, I said, excuse me, the, the topic is scaling content, but like the term scale gets thrown around a lot uh, in content marketing. And so uh, maybe just start by um, explaining a bit about what that phrase means to you and your team. Yeah, so it's a little bit different at each stop. So at Scribe, we were a two-person team at uh, Active Campaign. You know, it's a forty-person marketing team. It's so it's different, certainly, or like the scale of the scale maybe is different. But sure. for me, it's uh, a volume of the content we're producing, a volume of the traffic that comes from that volume of the. With you know, it depends on what the company is, but for us, it's trials and then conversions here at Scribe. It was free users and to paid, but uh, scale for me is building one process um, with our content, getting something really refined and then going and doing it dozens, hundreds, whatever the number that we need and is available to us uh, for it's often for me been blog posts. We can do that really well. I have a great playbook there. So how do we get our team to create one, have an awesome playbook, and then go do as many of those as can uh, provide a good impact for the business. So that's uh, that's how I think of scale. Um, and just going after one channel really, really fast and hard and being as yeah. effective there as possible. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, you hit on one part that um, I know I've discussed with John Bonini when he was on and maybe one or two others is like, you mentioned sort of like getting the the playbook set, like getting things figured out and scaling. And I think that that's such a huge part to that in what you're describing is um, you like a lot of people may you know say we're gonna scale, but that just may mean like a lot of additional manual effort to try to do maybe not that much more versus scale, you know, I think in the, the sense you're talking about and where it's most effective is when you really do have that playbook and you know then you can really kind of rinse and repeat you have a solid process behind it uh, you can really push so uh, yeah I think that's great it makes a lot of sense um, yeah how long you know do you think that takes because you've you kind of had the opportunity to to join like you said different size marketing teams but you got to kind of get in to a couple different places and, and set it up so like is that like first two weeks, two months, six months? Like what, what do you think that typically takes? Yeah, I think it's typically in that first, it depends on what, what you have in place, uh, the team's knowledge and things. Um, I, typically in that first quarter to first half is where I'll see that really take off. Um, obviously yeah. want to do that as fast as possible. Like here at Active Campaign, we have two weeks of even like full-time onboarding across the company. So it's even slower and there's sure. newer 800 people. There's just more processes and kind of have to like, pull back some of what exists to go forward. Uh, at Scribe, where we had, I don't know, eight blogs or 12 blogs on the site, uh, I could just go and hire freelancers and build that those systems really quickly. So yeah. it was more of like, you know, six weeks if we were doing it correctly. So um, 
and I think some of that is like how many times you've done it. We when we did it once at G two with a bunch of internal writers uh, had that playbook, but then moving it over to a one editor or freelancers, I had to shift a bunch of things. How do you you know do the invoicing, the payments, the contracts, all that was like a new layer I had put on top. And so though the the system of editing and publishing was pretty similar, uh, we had to like change a bunch of the processes on who was doing it. So the operations shifted, and it probably added a month or or so to to really refine that process yeah yeah i think that's a great point um yeah really really interesting insights um so with that you know it, it sounds like g2 i know for sure uh an active campaign familiar you know used to be like two blocks away or something like that from the the sprout office so um we knew some folks there from familiar with that company um like they're they're fairly like high speed, high growth, um, companies. And so like now that you've had the opportunity to be at a few of those, like, what would you say are some of the, the common road roadblocks, bottlenecks, anything like that, that you kind of encountered along the way when you're trying to kind of build and scale. So obviously you just mentioned like, well, that, you know, in this case, I had actually set up payment for framework and contracts, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, what, what else kind of impedes that setting that up and, and getting that running? Yeah, I think with the, especially in bigger, and even, I'll take it away, not even bigger companies, every company like blogs or content's super visible, right? It, it's there on the homepage of that blog. The CEO just comes and clicks over and looks and is like, why is this image this way? Or why are we doing 100? Like the little details that don't matter to your readers that much will matter to people internally. So you're like sometimes fighting those early on, um, like inscribe with no traffic and no domain authority. It was that buy-in. Will this work? Will we see traffic? Will we see this? So you're just fighting to show some early signs. Um, I mean, here at active campaign, we have this awesome brand team. We have video, all these, but if you want to create something that, goes across multiple departments suddenly there's a lot of checks and balances and there's just you know you're working with longer sprints and timelines and things so um yeah it depends on those but a lot of times it's just dependencies that's what i like to rip out is like i want me and our small team to be able to do as much of this as possible i want to self-serve our images if we're even creating anything custom i want to be able to go work with that contractor directly and so obviously as a company gets bigger you have to work with more folks and that's good things but wherever i can rip out dependencies on others to just streamline that's that's my best case scenario um yeah yeah i think um i certainly resonate with what you said around just sort of the the cross-departmental stuff um certainly experienced that a bit at sprout and you know, when I was consulting with some companies and, and obviously we work with a lot of companies now and see varying degrees of teams that want to review stuff and, you know, all kinds of things there. And so, um, yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of value, like you said, in as much creating a lane as much as you can, um, to do that stuff. And then where you can't, you know, that's where I've kind of been a big advocate for like, okay, well, if you can't have a contract designer and you can't have a dedicated designer on your team or on your squad or whatever, you know, it is for your company, um, then you just have to figure out like, what's the process and lead time that I need to like put this way in advance so that they don't have a chance of being a roadblock to staying on my publishing cadence and, and whatnot. And so, um, I, I think there's 
there's a lot of, of good stuff there. And then I think the other thing I would love to hear your, your thoughts is like, um, I've been a big proponent of like having your own lane kind of execute the way you need to, but like it still has to fit inside of, you know, brand voice, you know, and style guides and still obviously, you know, you don't want like, here's our content roadmap going this direction and like the overall marketing strategies not totally aligned. So it has to still kind of fit within the, the overall mesh of, of what you're trying to do. So I'd love, you know, within that, um, vein, just your thoughts on how you kind of peel away those things, give yourself autonomy, but then still stay inside of, of the broader marketing strategy. Yeah. I think with, you know, with active campaign, it's a great experience here on how I'm aligning as the leader of that content team over to product over to sales and trying to take, I think we're trying, there, there's been a lot of progress even since I've been here on all rowing in the same direction broadly, but then, you know, f- for us on content doing that and it's never going to, every piece of content will make everybody happy, right? There's different, there's, I mean, we have different layers of sales and, and, um, things that just will never, like will never fully satisfy or give enough content. Uh, but that's for me to try to take in all those requests and needs and, build a roadmap for the team so they can go and create those pieces. Um, And I think that I mentioned it, but once you have the best thing you can do for like that alignment and I think to remove some of that oversight is like to see those results when we could, the second we showed at Scribe, like we put $1 in and seven months later we break even and two years, like two years out, this will be seven X the revenue we put in. Like people were just down to throw more money at it. And they were, we just had so fewer like oversights or like little Slack messages. Why are we doing this? Right. That trust is built by really showing the, the numbers on the other side. And that's obviously traffic, but then those like true revenue, like the value to the company. So, I mean, five months in, like I'm still proving those things at active campaign. So there's going to be more of that oversight and you'll have to have more of those conversations, just build trust as both like one-to-one with other teams and show that you're moving in the right direction or you're thinking, taking what they're considering into, into action. And then on the other side, like when there's, when the graph is up and to the right, when the company is growing through your content and those efforts, like then people will trust and actually go to you. And what do you advise here? How will you think about it? But early on, it's, it's more on that order taking and trying to appease and really show a lot of good efforts. Um, I think a lot of content leaders face, face that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think that definitely resonates. Um, kind of building on that, in you know going back to what you're saying about scribe like um what what are some of the tips so you mentioned sort of like modeling out um you know when you were at scribe but like outside of that like how do you keep leadership satisfied and and aligned um while you and your team are like executing in the the beginning stages or you know for several months like any any other tips you have around that yeah, definitely. I mean, an example here at Active Campaign, you know, sales leader came over and like we're working on these couple of verticals, and so uh, trying to find a couple of pieces that can be, I don't know if they're even going to be a high impact right away, but they're a good visibility piece. Like, let's spend a bunch of time making this like uh, nonprofit specific piece, really polished kind of pillar that they can go and use over and over. Don't be so niche that they can only use it like with one customer, right? Like the best mm-hmm. case is something that they can use across a big group or an entire team can use over and over. Uh, but those type of little 
like even if that's a little bit outside of what I want to do this month, one piece or this little bit of effort can buy us like some goodwill and and some buy-in. Um, so. I'm not going to do something that will have no impact, but I can do something with like 20% less to, to give the sales, you know, sales an asset. Um, <clears throat> I think over communication, I th- like for me with the projections described, I probably like overestimated traffic a little bit, uh, but then we were underestimating our conversion rates and like what, what revenue would come out the other side. So I try to be conservative in that regard, especially. So when we're overperforming and, you know, we're breaking even much earlier and the, the ROIs there, like that was uh, eye-opening, really excited. So I try to do that on the projection side, not to like, I don't know, sandbag or something, but just to yeah. not, you don't want to promise the world and you're having a positive ROI, but like feel like a f- like you're failing, so I think there's a couple of things in there. Um, there's probably others as well, but that's those are some some things that work for me. Yeah, yeah, I think that's um, some great advice. And the the first thing you mentioned, um, I love and also just totally agree with and have advised people to. You know, kind of gotten a question several times over the years, like how do you have a plan, but like strike that balance between like not having your plans be derailed, but also not being like totally resistant to timely things or like requests from the organization. And my answer is always like, you just have to have a slot and anytime you don't have a request, then you just fill that slot. But you have this like little optional pocket in your plans. And so I think your, uh, your comment makes a ton of sense. Like, yeah, let's, let's put one in there for this month and give sales what they need and be a good partner and not get too fixated on exactly what we're trying to accomplish and realize that we want to help the business overall. And and there's a lot of stuff there. So yeah, I think those are uh, some really, really good points. And I think it's just, it's a, I wanted to touch on it because I think there's just a lot of people deal with that, you know, like those questions and, and, you know, if I put myself in the, shoes of a CEO, especially in the last 18 months and, uh, you know, managing cash a little more closely, then I think there's that question of like, but how do we know you're on the right track? How do we know this will actually turn the corner and, you know, do what, do what you're saying it'll do. And, and a lot of those things that are tough for concept marketers and, and SEO folks to, to answer a lot of times. Sure. And I mean, on top of that, everyone's saying like AI is going to kill content marketing, right? Like Google, (laughs) like the results. So even at Scribe, where there's been a huge success, they've made money in 15 months of doing content marketing. There's still a, should we be doing this anymore? And it's growing like pro conversions growing every single month. And I know they're still like having those conversations of like, how hard do we continue to push? Is this something that we should stop doing? And, you know, most companies don't even have that like break even if you're starting, if you're a series A, if you just launched a content program, like you're, you might be six months from even being able to feel like you can prove anything. So, um, yeah, I think that extra goodwill, I think we build in early on close to like 80% of our time is kind of accounted for, but that extra 20% to account for others. And I want to use that for my plan and I know what I will do if we have that available. Uh, but I build that in for those pop things that pop up or, you know, helping give sales an asset or whatever else. Yeah. Um, great. So then, uh, kind of the last parts I want to touch on for this topic around scaling um, before we get into the next section is 
like when you're talking about creating like hundreds to thousands of pieces of content um, in a year, what kind of content are you referring to? Is it like all blogs? Is it a mix of content types? And then how do you also account for like aging and updating of, of articles that are just maybe a bit older? Yeah, really good question. I, I feel like I don't get it. Is that like, how do you deal with decay? So yeah, when I'm talking about that volume of pieces, definitely in like the, most of my experience is doing that on the written side. So mostly blog, you'll have obviously, like we're, we have a glossary here at Active Campaign that, that has pretty good traction. So I've built there. Um, <clears throat> that one is like never gonna convert a ton, but they're easier to write. We can use AI to create a bunch of the content and polish it up ourselves and, and kind of go, I like to go where there's traction already on the site or with the company. Um, but here also we're doing, we have like localized content. So we've got content in five other languages. We've got uh, YouTube and you know, there's content being created all over the company that's even outside of my realm. Um, and then the accounting. So like coming in to active campaign, we have a pretty successful blog. I think at some point we were 250K a month and it's just been kind of decaying over 18 months or something like that, partly because of our negligence, partly because of algorithm changes and stuff. Um, we have a bunch of traffic. It's not always relevant. So coming in, I'm just trying to fill a ton of gaps that I see like at Scribe and other stops like every software list converts really well. We have two of them, like what best email marketing software, of course, best CRM software. And then we don't have anything in between those. So like, let's fill in all those gaps, all those other terms that people call us, all these other longer tail pieces. Let's just go and create these. They're pretty templatized. We're creating them at scale, big volume of these. Um, a bunch of them aren't gonna get to page one on their own, even though we have a really good domain authority, even though we ran our playbook. So we're going to have to come back to those maybe even this quarter, if not, yeah. you know, within the next six months. And so my play is like, let's push a ton of content. Let's show Google a bunch of positive signals. Let's do things the right way. Now that we have this new playbook at the same time, I've got somebody even optimizing some of our old content that we do want to keep. Um, so that's like a two pronged effort to go create really fast, but then even optimize. But even as we've shifted from my, like to my second full quarter here, we're doing more of that optimization, even of uh, some of that newer content, you know, finding some of that expertise. Um, do we have any original data we can use? Like, let's do that interlinking more effectively. Let's build yep. those custom images that we skimped on the first go. Like, let's add, let's go republish and things. So, um, and I think over time, will change. Like if you go to Scribe, we never spent any time. We spent very little time in the first year going backwards because it was all net new trying to build that base of like, what would we need to get to, you know, thousands of signups a month. Now that yep. they're there, they're actually spending that time going back and we have 40% of the content has never reached page one. So let's cut that to 30 and then to 20. Um, so it's a matter of like, when I look at what active campaign is, we where we want to get to, we don't have enough content and the right content to get anywhere near those goals. We just have to have new. But once that's there, we can spend more time making sure that content is as effective as possible. Yeah, I love that. And I think you know, I, I think the most important underpinning of all of that is like your um, the philosophy that like it, nothing's permanent, you know. And that's what um, I've told people for forever like there's just a, for a lot of people there's this desire to like make whether it's like a website update or whatever like just sit and tinker and tinker and tinker until they feel like it's perfect and then publish and then don't touch it for six months until they're frustrated with it and do that process again 
and it's like it's not a magazine you know like it's not going to the the press the printer press whatever like just put it up and then change and obviously you know like active campaign you can't just go like change the homepage headline or whatever and like there's consequences at that level of scale but like just roll with it publish the content you know get it out there and then go back see what is what it's working what's not what's on page two like uh refine from that so i i love that philosophy that's kind of driving a lot of that for you it's great and and it's so uh against my journalism background like it's so hard (laughs) for me to roll back and say no we don't need to do that no we don't even like copy it at some of our blogs like don't maybe we do a peer review but i used to do three four layers of editing at g2 because we had a huge team and i'm a journalist i need to do this and then i as i've gone i keep stripping away layers of oversight and checks and just to keep moving faster and none of it's really impacted the results on the other side um so i i for anybody like debating that like you can always go faster when it's not you know a pdf or an ebook or something like if it's a blog or a glossary page or whatever landing page like publish iterate publish iterate right like just go faster yeah so let me um dig in real quick before we get into the the next section um you just mentioned about like you know journalism background and, and stripping out layers of review how in terms of like your playbook or or not like how do you keep everyone like on like tone voice like any of that kind of stuff you know if you're if you're kind of peeling away some of those layers like what's your what's your tactic to kind of keep everything on track there for sure and I'm probably on, I probably push less on the voice and tone in some ways and like it's general ideas. We're building a style guide as we go, but not like the depths, like I built it G2, like very simply the, the highest level what we need. And it's probably less than most companies would want, especially at active campaign side size. Um, but like for me, getting the right keyword <clears throat> and having people understand how we format a certain style of blog. So having those templates up front. And when we were working at Scribe, like with freelancers, here's the headers that you're using. Here's your core keyword and your other three. Um, the the upfront work to build a really nice uh, brief was kind of the, the key for us. We started to then use... You know, even if we didn't have this robust style guide, which freelancers or even your writers may never read or they'll skim once and then they don't think about it. So it's like providing those really clear examples has been more impactful than building out all that documentation for me. Like this is the perfect blurb for active campaign, like in a software list. Like this is the structure that we want and here's the tone and we show that. And writers, I feel like look and emulate at that great piece of content, right? So we just provide those, like we really like this, or we've never done this, but here's three companies have done it really well. And then, I mean, I think we're still developing our voice too, so maybe that's why I've been able to skimp on it at Active Campaign as we're kind of rethinking who we are. Um, yeah. But those type of pieces, um, I use examples more, I think, and then again, that brief when you're working with freelancers. So um, I don't know, there's probably other folks I should learn from, honestly, on the, the brand side, but, um, or like the voice side, but like at Scribe, it was, we're talking to this person, here's the problem we're solving. And I think that problem focused, um, push towards the writer was really impactful in yeah. getting the right content. Yeah. Cool. Um, and even <clears throat> what you just said, again, just supported the the prior point, which was there, there are some people who would literally not be publishing anything right now because the style guide at active campaign isn't set yet 
and you just said, totally. well, you know, we're building it, but we're going to keep going, and you know, if we have to go back, we'll go back, you know, so just, again, just supported the, the prior point, so. Our, um, our readers just don't care, you know, sorry, <laughs> I like, I, I read something on Ahrefs the other day, and just because I looked something up, and I bounced out of it in 15 seconds, but I got my answer, and I, exactly. I didn't care about what the word language is, I got my answer, and so most content needs that, they don't care about how one piece connects to another, they're probably not spending time on two things, so, I don't know, we just, let's be as helpful as possible, and write as cleanly and as simply, and that will be more impactful than, like, what language we use, I think, to a lot of extent. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, so let's kick over into the, the final four, hit the same four questions we ask all our guests. Uh, so excited to kick this off with you. Uh, just love to have you share, like, what's a recent success or learning uh, that you've had? Yeah, we uh, just pruned, I don't know, 530 blogs of our 800 blogs or something. Awesome. <laughs> uh, we're, our Ahrefs graph is going to be really fun really soon because we're already seeing the pages recognized kind of going down and the traffic starting to go up. Um, so it's the first time that I've had this big of a prune. We did a little bit of it at G2, but we didn't have the trafficker success at that point. So this is like the biggest one for me. I've seen a million case studies. I'm sure you've even worked on these, but I've never done it to this scale. So, um, but we're seeing those results kind of immediately on a lot of pages. Yeah. So um, it's really fun to, to be a part of it for the first time. Yeah, it is fun. It's, it's rare, I think, like you said, to have a case to really do a really big lopping off of a, a bunch of of content um versus like you know systematically pruning over time but um i've never seen it do anything other than than what you're describing right now like it's i mean crawl budget is still very much a, a real thing and and how much you know time is there and really prioritizing the the indexation of your most important stuff continues to matter so um that's cool. That's that's good to hear. Um, second question: uh, For your company, what role does content play in the overall marketing strategy? Yeah, for a long time, it'd been kind of an internal agency. Somebody needs this, we we publish. Someone needs this, we make a video. There's still some of that, uh, and I'm trying to get away from some. But there, the shift why I came in and uh, is to create or capture more demand. It's to be a demand generate, part of the demand generation group. Uh, we also hired a demand gen uh, leader who's definitely way more versed on paid and, and doing things and we're collaborating a ton together. But for me, it's let's go find people that are ready to buy right now and let's be the first result and the best result and give them the best information. Um, I think there's other spots where we're now gonna move into more of that you know demand creation side like the the live video stuff like this or having webinars where we're giving people information and being real thought leaders um we're starting to do original research we brought someone in who's got a ton of experience there um so it'll be more of that demand creation but right now let's just capture everything uh there's we're in email marketing crm marketing automation really established spaces where there's already a ton of demand um people aren't happy with their solutions often so there's a lot of room for us to go grab that existing demand Awesome. Um, and then, you know, we talked about a bit of like, you know, keeping leadership aligned and sort of time it takes and everything. Um, but, you know, more specifically, like how does your company define success for you and your team? You know, is it traffic, revenue, anywhere in between? Like, what's that for you? 
Yeah, certainly traffic trials revenue. Um, that that's the the basic funnel of success. Obviously, it's slightly different at each channel, and there are different stages. Uh, but we're definitely looking at our you know where how much traffic we have, the traffic to the right pages, and then what you know the funnel from there. I think there's a ton of work at Active Campaign to figure out you know. Sometimes we lose a ton of traffic, nothing happens on the other side of the funnel. And other times we're growing traffic, you know, so it's it's figuring out that onboarding experience. Uh, how do we make that more custom to people depending on what page they're on, what stage they are, all that stuff. So there's a ton more there, but those are the three metrics at the, yeah. the high level. And since you have um, experience across a couple different, um, is it was that pretty much the same for Scribe, G2? Like, was there any difference in those? Yeah, so Scribe, yes. Uh, we had that free user, so free users kind of just replace trials, and though it's a different motion, like you want to, like a free user can be free forever, but then they'll, you know, send it within their company and they'll take it to their next company where a trial leaves you in 14 days. So there's differences there, um, but it's a pretty similar funnel. G2 is a really wonky thing. We had a CMO come over from HubSpot, and I, um, I learned a ton from him. But the, we had some vanity metrics certainly, and it cost us. And it was early in my career where I started. I got really good at building traffic, but there was no focus on revenue at all. Like we thought about how to push people from a blog to a G2 category page, right? A CR, the CRM software or Salesforce profile. So we were measuring that, but there was no goals around it. We did write um, a bunch of content that was like pretty far from our core product. We didn't, we weren't pushing anybody towards like our branding packages. It was really like trying to use SEO to boost the category pages kind of indirectly. Uh, and it yeah. led to a bunch of problems. We grew the team really fast and then half the team was laid off over you know six yeah. months because we went from nothing to a million and a half visitors, but the ROI wasn't proven out. And I think there was a bunch of value, but it, we weren't showing it in the right way. And um, obviously that leads to a ton of attention. So that was like my biggest learning coming away from that is like, I have to know how the time I'm spending, the team, all of our work is impacting. Um, so that's been the biggest change for me is um, we didn't have that there and it, it caused a lot of problems. Yeah, yeah, I, that's great. I mean, obviously helpful, even though it's kind of tough, helpful to have that learning early on. And, and um, Amy Lexa was one of our early guests uh, on the podcast in season one. And I think she was maybe after you or overlapped a little bit, but I, that's when we kind of talked about that shift from like, just, you know, going for all traffic to like kind of the, the shift um, that she was a bit more of a part of um, within all that, so. Totally. Yeah, G2 yeah. had these different stages where it's all category, no top of funnel content like we kind of think of. Then this massive push to like 2,000 articles over six months or something absolutely yep. silly. And then they've pruned that back. They've done a lot of like really uh, programmatic stuff that's been very good. And you can see that they're focused on like value added content, like content that's really moving the needle on the like ROI wise rather than just traffic for traffic's sake. And so G2's had these different stages that are very different, like every 18 months. Yeah. Yeah. I actually distinctly remember that, that phase. Cause I mean, obviously we're Chicago companies and like, I don't know, a six, seven minute walk between the yeah. two offices, you know? And so it was like, just kind of word got around and it just was like, what's going on over there? Like, they're just like hiring a million writers and just cranking out massive amount of content. And, you know, obviously there was like, the argument that there was just so much green space because you're covering 
every single software category. But um, yeah, from the outside, it was a bit like, what's the plan, you know, with, with mm-hmm. that? So, uh, and I think kind of totally fair. Like, what was the plan? I think our plan was like get to a million people in the first year. Like, no matter what, that was the that was yeah. the the top level. And so uh, you have to have alignment. I think we had alignment to the CMO, but that didn't go across the rest of the business. And obviously, that's a problem. Um, sure. So, yeah. I think it's a funny thing that you were kind of a doorstep away hearing that because I've heard that from so many folks that it was like this little blip in content uh, or SaaS content. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. And then lastly, um, what's your least favorite marketing conversations happening on social channels right now and why? Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's certainly like just AI overload. Um, could be could could do without seeing all of that i think like the seo is dead is always like that will get me out of my i haven't posted in two weeks if i see or seo is dead because of ai like that will get me posting for a few days um i think in this one i'm probably too far on but and like you just had justin on who's really good but like the content distribution stuff is correct to some extent but i think there's like a push so far in the other direction like we need to create one thing and it should be everywhere everywhere and to my first point about that scale is like i think a lot of people trying to do content for the first time or trying to scale they like see that they're not having say seo results and so then they're like well distribution and repurposing is going to be our play right we'll work less hard get more but then they're publishing their blog and then they're trying to do the white paper with that and then they're doing all the social channels and short form video and all this and they're a one or two person team so they're like spreading so thin across so many things it's like here's the 10 or 30 item checklist for distribution but you don't have the resources or even the knowledge of those channels to go do those really well so like we try to put everything on twitter and linkedin whatever at g2 and that was that was a big waste of time i wish we just had that 10 percent of our quarterback because we got no results for that that could have been more articles or you know a better like a lead magnet or something so i don't think it's wrong i think it's like the right theme there's a lot of purpose to it like especially when you're doing like with this podcast we should be repurposing it and using it in short form so like that right. one play awesome but then you try to turn that into a blog that nobody reads and it's like that has gone really far and i think there are people like pushing too far and that's just like a lack of understanding from the people that are latching onto that with yeah. like the thought leaders who do mean really well and do know how to use a lot of channels um so that's one that i i'm a little skeptical of how how far, like how effective that is, especially when you're talking small uh, content teams. Yes. All right. Uh, let's dig in on that for a minute. Uh, I, I think at the high level, I totally agree, like the balance that's needed. Um, and we've, you know, talked a fair amount about this. I've posted quite a bit on LinkedIn in, in some form. And I think that you're absolutely right. So we do a little bit of like distribution or like repurposing for some clients will like, hey, we're already in here creating this content. We'll go ahead and create social content around it, like just to make sure you're distributing. <clears throat> but a lot of the, excuse me, um, a lot of the, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of the conversations with clients at earlier stage companies are like, we have like 150 followers, you know, or whatever. And you're like, okay, mm, yeah, that's probably not the best use of time or your budget or, you know, some of that. So. I totally agree that that's a factor. And I think the other is, um, 
you know, there's software out there that like you can drop in one video or one post or whatever and it like just automatically repurposes it into like 10 or 15 different channels and formats and like can auto publish for you and it's like this easy button kind of solution and that doesn't really work either and so that's where i think you and i are aligned is that we've said like you sh you like there's power in repurposing and distribution because you don't want to just be on this hamster wheel of creating new and there's like value in what you've created but like start with one two maybe three channels that make the most sense that you know your audience is on and like focus there and so i um yeah i guess i guess it's a long way of saying i agree with you and, and i think that there's a balance that's needed and in some ways it kind of reminds me of like the gating content you know debates and like for a long time that was just like these really strong opinions and in one direction or the other and the reality is like it's kind of dependent on the content and the company and what the intent is and how much your audience cares about it and what you're going to do with that and you know the value exchange and all that like it's, it's just very nuanced and so um yeah i think there's there's a lot there but i i'd agree that within some of the social channels a lot of the rhetoric has maybe gone a bit far in what it's expecting you to do for repurposing. Yeah. I think the like two to three <clears throat> channels is like a perfect recommendation, like nail those, right? There's just so much nuance. There's an algorithm for everything that you're working against, right? You like need to master how to position. I just think of like all the blogs we write that just don't make any sense. Like I wouldn't expect to see those as a TikTok video. I wouldn't expect to see them on Twitter, right? Nobody clicks a B2B software link on Twitter anyway. So you're just like, what, how are you going to do this? Um, I don't know. I, I, I just really like focusing when I've focused extremely on a channel or two, that's where you understand those little tiny details. And then every effort like on our blog, because we're so focused there goes so much further. So like, it's not that we're doing one thing and it's, we're getting to save a bunch of time by being on all these other channels. Is that like, we're, we're we've like perfected our playbook on one area. That means yep. that every time we do it, it's going to be faster. And every time is going to be a little bit more effective because you've built a bigger audience there, right? Once SEO is working, you go to page one right away. So like, you know, once you get to that hundreds of articles that are really performing, everything's easier yep. for you. Same thing when you have 50,000 followers, every tweet good, gets better. Every link, you know, post gets better. So, uh, when you really dedicate to one or two, you see bigger results down the road. So um, I'm with you. Yeah, awesome. Um, all right, so before we wrap up, anything else uh, you know, around um, you know, scaling content for companies or anything else in the, in the final four we just touched on that you wanna add before we wrap up? Yeah, we talked for half a second, but the AI stuff, like we are using it to, to publish. I think what you content marketers should be thinking about is like how they differentiate themselves. So we're trying to yeah. build in expertise, get original data, quotes from folks, even just using Hero, but our customers are talking to experts like, you know, in the email field. So that's the type of thing that I think there will be other ways to do that, that I haven't even thought of or others haven't, but how do you differentiate when there's just a mountain of content already published, but coming? Um, I think that's like the thing that we, that you, whoever is listening should be thinking about as what differentiates your content from others. Cause even active campaign with a 90 domain authority and a ton of traffic, we're fighting against a lot of people creating the same content. Yeah. So we need to find that way. And especially if you're at a startup, you're, you're really going to have to differentiate. Um, 
So I would call that out as a last takeaway. Yeah. Awesome. Um, all right. So uh, for any um, prior episodes you'd like to check out um, or for details on this one, visit 10speed.io slash podcast. You'll find uh, the library of everything there. And uh, be sure to like and subscribe on the channels that you prefer. Um, so with that, we'll go and wrap up. Um, Jacob, thanks so much. It was a great conversation. Love kind of talking about all things scaling content. It was fun. Yeah, thanks, Nate, for having me. Good to see you again. Uh, chat soon.